Amen. That's the good news of the gospel right there. I'm so glad you made it out this morning, and uh, wow, what a cold, crazy morning it is. But it's going to be good today, and here it already has been. I'm looking forward to what God's going to say to us through his word today. So um, my mom uh, passed away and went to be with the Lord in 2013. And uh, we've been slowly in the process over time of looking through all her stuff. She had a lot of pictures and a lot of family things that she had kept. And one of the things I found just this past week, I can't believe it took me this long to find this, but I, I found an envelope that was in a box, and I opened it up, and there were some little tiny pieces of paper about this big, and I found where she had been taking notes, kind of like a diary of just her life. And each page had a little bit different set of information. It wasn't much. It was usually just some simple statement, uh, like from 1971. There was a note, and it told the date and said, bought some lipstick today, 39 cents. (laughs) Great. Brian took his clarinet to school for the first time today. That was in fourth grade. And then uh, bought gas today and filled up 29 cents a gallon. Wow. Then I came across a page that she said, at the top it said, uh, first time. Well, that's interesting. First time, what is that? So I read down through it, and it was, this was in 1974, if I remember correctly. And it said, um, saw a color TV today. That was her first. Uh, took a bath in a square bathtub at a hotel. It's interesting. Just little notes that she had made along the way. And we found over, over time, we found more and more of those, just almost detailed diaries of, of things that she had done, places she had gone, things that she had bought. And you have her life summed up in these little brief statements. And I thought, you know, I, she must have from time to time gone back and pulled those out to just look back and see what this past year was like, to see what happened three years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, or longer a record of her past. It's important that we keep up with our past. It's important that we accurately see our past because how you see your past will determine your ability to see your future. You know, some people get so caught up looking back at their life that they don't ever turn around and look at what's out here, what God has for them. And until you learn how to accurately see this in such a way that it allows you to do this, then you're never going to walk forward. You'll get stuck in today thinking about yesterday and never venturing into tomorrow. Wow. That's going to be what we're going to be looking at today, a passage of Scripture that will help us accurately end 2017. I'm sure there's parts of 2017 you are glad to say, all right, goodbye. I'm glad that is over and that is done. There's a time and a place for that, and some of that we do need to shut the door on and be done with it and move on. But I want to make sure we do that fully, completely, biblically, and accurately today. But before we do that, I want to take a little bit of a a travel back in time over this past year at some things that God did here at Vertical Church. Man, what a year. If you're kind of new to Vertical Church, it may look like we've been here a long time, but we have not. 
We are a little over two and a half years in to our experience as Vertical Church, and God has blessed abundantly in that two and a half years. So let me kind of give you a, a quick synopsis. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today, but some of the things, I want to give God the glory for what he's done in our church body this past year. We have seen over this year probably about 175 first-time guests who have come in through our doors and, and seen what God is doing here. We've had uh, 35 families join this year, become an active part of Vertical Church. We've baptized 15 this year, people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ and solidified that they are following Jesus Christ as their Savior. We have over 150 people serving in ministry. That's a lot for a church. You know, sometimes they say that uh, it's kind of the 80-20 rule that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That is not true here at Vertical Church. We've got about 80% of our people serving somewhere in some place in ministry. I'm excited about that kind of thing. And we regularly see probably 200, 250 people here on a Sunday worshiping together. I know it's a little low today, but hey, it's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve and the weather is crazy out there. So God's done some great things this year for us. We've been able to replace a lot of AC units that were aging and in need of repair. God has enabled us to reach some people that we could have never reached before. And he has shown us some things, even through our Sunday morning services, our message series. Let me give you a quick overview through our series this past year. We began 2017 with the series we called Turning Over a New Leaf. And we looked at a, a book in the Old Testament called the book of Haggai. And we saw there how God told his people, he said, you started well. You, you followed me. You came back to me after being apart, and you started well. He said, but now you've turned your focus back to your own ways. You've put more emphasis on your own house than you have the house of God, and things have started happening to you. You've started earning money, and it seems to go out as quick as you bring it in. Things that you have seem to be falling apart faster than you can keep up with them. And God says to them, it's because you've not put me first. So the whole book of Haggai was all about putting him first. We began this year with that. God, we're going to put you, your kingdom, your purposes ahead of our purposes. And that's what we did here at Vertical this past year. We got into um, March and April as we got closer to Resurrection Sunday. And we had a series called The Cross Still Speaks. We looked at how the power of the cross design was designed not just for Jesus in his day, but that message still has power today. It's the message of the gospel that is the power of God to change lives today, and it's the message of the cross. And so we, we fleshed that out during those two, those two months, and we saw God do great things in people's lives here. We went from there into a series we called Relationship Apps. We made it very practical and very personal as we talked about how we live out this gospel, of how we live that out in our relationships, how we download, like we download apps, how we download love, patience, forgiveness, kindness, understanding, all of that into our hearts so that we can show that to others. And then the summer, we had a series called Beach Faith. And we saw what it means to rest in Christ, that he has called us to enter into his rest. We looked at different beaches throughout the scripture, times when God brought his people to the edge and had something brand new for them. And that this rest in Christ doesn't bring us to a place of inactivity. It actually, when I rest in Christ, increases my activity for Christ. And we've seen that here at Vertical Church. And then in September and October, 
Uh, every week we had a different car in our lobby over here, you might remember. We saw Mustang, we saw Chevy truck, we saw some old, old cars in a series we called Driven. We looked at what it means to be driven in the design that God has made us for in Christ. What it means to operate with passion. We've been engineered with a purpose in Christ. We did something unique that those two months. We, we had three Sunday evening services. We gathered together to understand our own spiritual giftings and passions, our personality engine that we've, that we've been given by God and our own purpose, what fuels us in Christ. And we weren't sure how that was going to go. We had never had a Sunday evening thing before, but this room was full every one of those three weeks, and we all discovered something about how God had created us. That was our Driven series. And then most recently, in November, we've been talking about, or we talked about preparing for harvest. That sometimes we get into this place where we look out at the world and we say, it's crazy out there, they've lost their minds out there, what are, we, what are they doing out there? But Jesus looked out at the world and said, hey, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray for workers to be sent out. So we were challenged by God to see our world differently, to see it ready, to see it like a harvest, ready to be harvested, souls for Christ. And we, we talked about how we do that as a church. We talked about some areas where we could make some improvements even here to our facilities, some areas that have needed some improvement, our children's ministry, our Main Street Center, that's our other uh, kind of gathering place. And later in the summer, we know we need some AC in this room. And we put before our church a need, a goal that we've established of $150,000. And God has begun providing through the people here that goal. So I'm excited about that. God has begun preparing for the harvest here in our own hearts. And you know that's been happening in several different ways even over the past month or so. Um, we had talked about the need to be online and have a, a visible presence online because some people say, man, I'd love to watch your services. Some people listen to our services online. You know, our, our services are put on our website every week and people listen. And we can kind of track and see how many people are listening. And it's not uncommon for us to have 25 and 30 listens every week to a message. In fact, Lauren... Dylan, are you here? There she is right there. Lauren Dylan is right here. Lauren used to live here in Midlothian. And she's recently moved to where? Montana. I mean, like, way out in the sticks, Montana. Two and a half hours to the nearest Walmart. And McDonald's. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Two and a half hours. Oh, I forgot to get some milk. Sorry. It's going to be water in your cereal. No, no. Two and a half hours. So um, they're gathered together there in a, you're living in an Amish community. Okay, 500 people living on a mountain, 365 are Amish. And you're at a, a boy's ranch there. So no churches around the area for a while. So Lauren being a part of us in the past, said, you know what, let's start listening to Vertical Online. And she managed to get one of our CDs of our, that our worship bands put together. And so when they gather with these boys, there's about 17 boys in the home there, correct? And they've got how many workers? 18 workers and spouse. They gather on Sunday mornings, and guess what their church is? They listen to Vertical Church on the podcast. 
And, they, and when they say, boys, what songs do y'all want to hear for worship this morning? And they say, let's hear the ones from Vertical Church. So they play the very songs that have been written, recorded here, and that's their worship. There's, there's a little Vertical Church in Montana. Didn't even know that, right? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? So uh, Lauren, I've been in, Lauren contacted me and said, hey, is it possible for us to get a few Vertical shirts because we'd like to take it back to these boys. Uh, I said, well, yeah. In fact, we've got brand new shirts coming out next week. So, Lauren, you're going to be here next week, right? All right. So we've got new shirts for them to all take back with them there to Montana. So I think, oh, my goodness. You know, in this day and age, we have to think a little bit differently about outreach. It used to be that outreach was going door to door and knocking on doors. But today, it's, it's posting a message online. And an entire group of 35 to 40 people are listening in Montana. And you get creative with the technology that God has given. So another thing that God has just provided by his doing is a nice video camera for us. You'll probably notice back in the booth today, there's a nice video camera sitting right there. I mean, like a broadcast quality video camera. And we're experimenting over the next several weeks. That money has been given for us to have that camera. We're going to be going online live with our services on Sunday morning so that Lauren and others can see what's happening. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and our mommies in our mommy room will get to see what's happening and not just have to listen to what's happening. So very exciting stuff that God's doing here at Vertical Church. That was all in November. Another thing we did kind of late November is we went down to Waxahachie and got in on their lighted Christmas parade. And my goodness, that thing turned out crazy. We took 2,000 cards with us that night to hand out as we went along, and our band was on a float, and it was all lit up with LED lights and stuff and smoke and color lights, and they, the band just knocked it out of the park, and the band ended up getting second place in the whole parade for best float, and so it's crazy stuff. We were promoting our, new, our Christmas Eve service, met a lot of people, and if you were here last Sunday night, you know what happened. We had two services. The first one was just packed. The second one was full as well. We had over 430 people here last Sunday worshiping with us on Christmas Eve. So I know numbers are not everything, but they are an indicator of some things, that God is sending out his message, and people need and want to hear today. So I'm grateful that God is choosing for that to happen here through Vertical Church. Through December, we looked at the glory and the majesty of Jesus at Christmas and we saw some amazing things about what God had done in sending his son. He came here to earth on the day we call Christmas, but he had always existed with the Father. And he will one day be the heir of all things. We saw some of those beautiful truths over these past months. But I want to talk to you today about Rewind. How do you come to an end of a year like this and accurately look back on your life so that what's back here doesn't keep you from moving forward out there. Amen? So that we don't get stuck in our past failures, in our past frustrations, in our past regrets, and find ourselves staring so deeply into the past that we don't even see what's out in front of us. If you have your Bible today or a Bible app, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. Look at a few verses there. We're going into Joshua chapter 4 just a little bit later. In Joshua chapter 3, we meet the children of Israel. They have come out of Egypt already. 
Time has passed. They were slaves there, but God sent Moses in to be their rescuer, redeemer. He called them out, and they left. And it wasn't supposed to be a long journey from the place where they were in bondage in Egypt where they were slaves, where they were lost. It wasn't supposed to be that long a journey from there into the promised land. It really wasn't. It, was, it should have taken maybe days or weeks for them as a nation to come out and go to the place that God had for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where God would drive out their enemies. It shouldn't have taken that long, but if you read the scripture, you find out that 40 years pass and they have yet to come into the place that God had for them. Has it ever taken you longer to get to some place than you wanted to? I don't mean just going to the mall. I'm talking about in life. You want to pay off some debt. You want to improve a relationship. You want to deepen your faith. And it has taken you so much longer than you ever thought it would. This is what's happening to the children of Israel. They've faced a lot of trials over these 40 years. Part of the problem is that they've been rebellious. They've been unfaithful. They've been doubting. They've complained. They've been selfish. They've been mean. They've turned their backs on God. They've followed after other gods. They complained about his provision. And it has taken them forever to get to where God had them to go. And they are struggling. And God has been faithful all along. Always been frustrated, you find in Scripture, that they had not believed, that they had not trusted. And so we get to Joshua chapter 3, and we find them at a pretty sad yet hopeful spot. Moses, their leader, their rescuer, has died. He won't go into the promised land. There are many others who have been part of the nation who have died as well. They won't go into the promised land. And God raises up a new leader, Joshua. You will now lead the people in. And he calls them, and they have now new hope, new vision. We can do this. It's a new time. It's a new day. It's a new year in front of us. Let's make sure we keep moving forward and not backwards into all that our past had been. So we get into chapter 3, starting verse 2, and, and God's going to give them some instructions because God is about to take them and do some new things with them. He's going to lead them across another body of water. You see, that had happened before with the Red Sea. Moses led the people across the Red Sea. Now they're facing another body of water, but this is the Jordan River this time. Different story, different scenario, same problem. You've got to get across the river to get to the promised land. You're going to have to go past it. You've got to get through it. But how do you take a nation through a river? How do you take them through that? Because you can't just walk on it. It's muddy. It's murky. It's deep. It's impossible. How do we take them through it? You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You're going to have to go through it. Verse 2, it says, 
When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. God says, here's the way we're going to do this. You're going to take the ark of the covenant, this box that is overlaid with gold, that is on the top has angels, that is to be carried a very specific way, that was to be the place in the holy of holies where the very presence of God dwelt. This box stood for their atonement. It stood for God's presence. It stood for God's blessings. It was God himself to them in that time. And he says, you're going to put this box First, the Ark of the Covenant, the covenant of my promise, it will be out front and you line yourselves up behind it and put it first. It doesn't go in the middle. It doesn't go in the back. It goes in the front and you follow it. Some pretty good principles for a new year right there. He goes on in the passage and it says this in verse 4 and he says, For you have not passed this way before. Hmm. You haven't been here before. 2018 is filled with some places you haven't been before. And you're going to have to keep the God who has made a covenant with you in Jesus Christ out front. You're going to have to align yourself behind him. Don't get up in front. Don't get off to the side. Don't chart your own course. You find his way and you line up behind it and you walk in it. This is how you walk in places that you've never been before. He goes on, verse 13, it says, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan. As soon as those guys who are carrying this box, as soon as their feet touch the river, watch this, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Now, that's weird. They put their foot off into the river, and as soon as they do, the water just stops. You see, water's flowing down the river, and this water, he says, will stop, and it will stand up as a heap. Now, water just doesn't stand up as a heap on its own. It doesn't do that. Water finds its balance. Water flows everywhere. For it to do something that is against the laws of physics, God would have to intervene. Right? So we go on here into chapter 4, and we find the rest of the story. So I want us to move into chapter 4, and God has this, again, new path, new way, new leader, new time. Chapter 4, it says this, And it came to pass when all the peoples had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. So here's the story. They did exactly what God said. The priest stepped into the water. The water parted. That came up as a heap, and there was a path, a miraculous path. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. God took them in a place that they thought they could never go. God did something that was against the laws of physics. God did something that was different than what everybody expected. And God was so insistent that they remember this that he's about to tell them something very specific, something that he hadn't told them before, something that they were going to need to remember. 
verse 3. He commanded them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. He said, when you have passed through it, and the water is backed up, the ground has dried, I want you to send one from every tribe and have them go out there into the middle, into the middle where the priest's feet stood, where the presence of God was, where your miracle happened, where you saw God make a way when there was no way. From that spot, I want you to go in and I want you to pick up 12 stones, not pebbles, not a skipping rock, but stones. You keep on reading in the passage, it says they lifted them up on their shoulders and carried them across. Each tribe had one person who went out and got one stone for their tribe so that each family grouping, each tribe would remember this event so that they might never forget what God had done in this place. This stone would represent the hand of God. This stone would represent the place that they walked. This stone would represent where they went through when they didn't think they were going to be able to go through. And they would forever remember it. It would be a memorial. It would be something that they would keep and remember for generations to come. Let's go on in the passage, verse 19. It says, Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. He took those stones and he set them up. He made a memorial. He made something with them. He made an arrangement so that when they looked at it, they would remember that event. It goes on in verse 21. It says, Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying this, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. God saying through Joshua, take these 12 stones and set them up because there's going to come a day when your children are going to ask, what do those stones represent? Because your children will not remember everything about this moment. Isn't that funny? How when your children are so young, you spend all this time and, you know, you invest in them and you have these moments where you make memories and then you ask them when they're 10. Do you remember what happened when you were two? No. There's a family here last week came to our Christmas Eve service. They had been a part of our church in the past, I mean, several years back. And I was talking to the family, greeting them. I said, oh, it's so good to see you. Good to see you. And I saw the kids. I said, hey, it's good to see you again. I said, do you remember me? No. I just like, oh, it just hurts. Our children don't always remember all those events. You don't remember all the events, all of the events when you're two or three. I know you probably have one. I remember when I was two years old. Great, but you remember that one thing, right? He said, as a way of helping your children remember and your children know that God is gracious, set these stones up and you tell them, son, daughter, here's what God did. God did something great. 
God did something amazing. God did something miraculous and used this to pass on to the generations what happened here. And it's great to say to your children, you know what? We, we shouldn't have crossed over there. It was an impossibility. In fact, our sins had been so bad in the past, we actually should have died here, but we didn't. God was gracious to us. God was good to us, and he took us over. Verse 24, he says, Do this so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God gave them a very specific way to rewind and see the past. I want us to make some application here today because there's powerful truth for us today. We're not standing before a physical river and having to cross it, but we are standing before a new year. We're standing in a place where we've never been before. And if we don't know how to accurately see our past, we'll never know how to see our future. So let us make some principles here, some notes. If you want to take pictures of screens, you want to take notes, follow these along with me, I would encourage you to. Let's make some principles here about how to rewind. The first is this. Replaying God's work paints forgiveness over your past. You see, that's really what God was doing. He was saying to them, I know you look back on your past and you think, wow, we should have already been there by now. 40 years, so much death, so much disobedience, so much rebellion. We blew it so many times. We didn't trust God. We didn't believe him. And it's taking forever. And it's our fault. Hello. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever looked at your life and thought, man, if only I hadn't have done that thing. If only I would have done this. If only I had done that, then I wouldn't be where I am today. But the problem is when you start looking at your if onlys, you'll never turn around and see the possibilities. If you're always living in your regrets, you'll never move forward in faith because you've got to let go of that before you can have faith for that. Let me, let me show you an example. Let me, have, um, let me have Ryan. You want to help me, Ryan? Okay. Ryan, if you'll come stand over here, that'd be great, and face that way. Cool. And let me have uh, Caleb. Are you nearby? Caleb's going to come up here. Cool. And um, Eli, you want to help me out here? Cool. All right. So, Eli, if you'll come stand here and face that way. Caleb, if you'll stand here, and I'll move this for just a moment. Yeah, Caleb, you'll stand and face, yeah, you just face just like that. Eli, you face that way. Perfect. So, Caleb represents us today. This is us in the moment. And Ryan, I'm sorry, but you represent all of Caleb's past sins. So, uh, <laughs> you know what you want me to say? No, I'm teasing. No, no, I'm teasing. So, um. So, Ryan, you are, you're the past. Sorry. But the thing is, for Caleb, it's easy, and I'm saying for Caleb, it's for all of us. If you get stuck here keeping your eye on the past, you can't turn around and see all the future because Eli represents all that he could be. Feels pretty good for you, doesn't it? <laughs> Eli represents the promised land. He represents all that God has for him. And he is not there yet, right? There's distance between here and there. You see it. 
There's distance between here and there. And the thing is that what God wants is to get Caleb here to this place. That's what he wanted for the children of Israel, to get them from where they were to the promised land. And it should not have taken as long as it did. But because they were rebellious and stubborn and had small faith, it just took them a lot longer. And the thing is, for the children of Israel, they kept looking back. They kept thinking about what had happened. Moses died. We rebelled. Families, family members died. We lost out. And so God did something for the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to do something miraculous for you. And I don't want you to ever forget it. So he has them cross the Jordan River, which is miraculous in and of itself. But he has them take these stones out, 12 tribes, 12 stones, and he builds them up there. And it said at Gilgal. So Gilgal now is on the other side of the river. We'll let this crack represent the river. So you're back here. There you go. Good. And then the river, here's Gilgal, the river, and their past. In fact, Egypt. And God says, I'm going to do something for you. I want you to build these, take these 12 stones and build them up. Because I want you to know that I have rescued you. I am the one who has redeemed you. You didn't figure this out on your own. You didn't engineer this way across the river. You didn't make this happen because you've been good enough. I did this. I did it by my grace. I did it by my power. I did it by my strength. I did it by my design. I did it. I brought you across, and I want you to set these stones up as a remembrance that I did this. So, Caden, would you like to be some stones? I put an S on that at the end. I didn't put a D. Perfect, perfect. You are, you are a stone. Singular. No, no, don't pick him up. No, don't do that. God told him to build up these 12 stones. Each family had a stone that represented them. It was very personal, practical. They had walked across those stones. They knew those stones. The stones had been in the river. They were in the muck, in the mire, in the mud. They were stuck. They were buried over. They had been covered over. It was almost like our sins that had been buried and covered over by the death of Jesus Christ for us. And the New Testament says that Jesus is the stone of offense. It says he is the living stone. So when Joshua set up these stones, it was a way of saying to the children of Israel, look, I have provided for you. I have stepped in for you. I have a stone for you. And this stone is the living stone. I want it to be a forever memorial to you about what I have done for you. And these stones go here in Gilgal. They are on this side so that whenever you look back and see your past, you're going to have to see it through the stone. Do you see something happening here? For you and I, when you look back and see your past now, 
You are not to keep looking at it like it is alive and tormenting you and chasing after you. You cannot keep looking back and saying, if only I would have. Boy, I should have. I know I should have done this. I know I should have done that. If you keep going down those paths of regret and thinking back over every moment and living it with shame, you'll never be able to turn around and face your future. And God provided a way for the children of Israel to see their past, you're going to see it through the stones from the river. Jesus was the stone. He was buried. He was covered over, but he was resurrected, and he's alive forevermore, and he stands over our past. So I'm going to tell you today again, I know what it's like to be human. I am one. I know what happens in our heads when we start replaying our past sometimes. And I know that the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. And he loves to keep turning you around and pointing you at your past and pointing out all your failures and all your sins, all your weaknesses, and keep reminding you of what you haven't done, what you shouldn't have done. He loves that because it keeps you stuck. It'll keep you from moving forward in your faith. Oh, you'll move into 2018 all right, but your heart and mind will be somewhere back there unless you learn to know that Jesus has been lifted up as a stone. He took the offense and he became the stone of offense that the world rejected but he became the one that paid for your sin so that you can turn around and no longer have to face your past. Now you can get your sights on the promised land. Now you can start walking forward. Amen. That's worth clapping about right there. It sets me free. Yes, it does. Now if I ever hear a voice that says, Caleb, you are such a loser. You blew it for so many years. If he turns around, what does he see? He only sees Christ. He sees the stone lifted up. And you turn right back around and get your eyes forward again. Amen? Because he was crucified, but he was resurrected. And now the cross stands in the past, but Jesus stands in the future. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Give me a hand. If you want to move forward, you're going to have to do a rewind. But in this rewind, you've got to replay what God has done. You've got to replay what he has done for you. You replay it with perspective. You replay it with provision for your sin. And you glance, but you get your eyes back forward. And you get moving forward to what God's called you to. You quit living with that shame and regret and that guilt and the repeating voice of the enemy. Amen? Amen. The second thing, second truth for us today is replaying God's work builds generations of family faith. Joshua said, I want you to build these stones up so that when your children ask, he's implying a family situation here. Fathers, mothers, I want you to so replay God's work in your life that your children see it. And it creates such question, appetite, that they start asking. They want to know. 
They want to know, what happened here, mom and dad? How did we get to this place? What's God done for us? And you tell them the story. You know, so many parents rely upon the church to do that work. And we're going to do that work here. But I'm going to tell you what. You want to really cause the truth of Scripture and the truth about Jesus Christ to really come alive for your children? You teach it to them at home. You talk about it in the home. You talk about it around the dinner table, at the breakfast table. You talk about it in the afternoons. You talk about it when you sit down in your house, when you stand up in your house, when you lie down in your house. You talk about it there, and when you come here and it's taught here, then your children are going to go, whoa, that's what we talked about at home. That's awesome. And it will click for them. When children hear it here, and they don't hear it there, it causes confusion. It causes problems. It causes doubt. Because consistency proves what's real. Think about it. Consistency for your children proves what's real. So you talk about it. Joshua said, you build these stones up. You have memorials. You have ways of remembering and we today can take those times. This can be, we could do this in some practical ways in our house. You might decide to have some scripture verses printed up on your wall. You might have some pictures up in your house. You might have music you play around your house that glorifies the Lord. So that when your children ask, Mom, Dad, why do we listen to that music? Why, why do we listen to that song? What does that picture mean? What does it mean when you and dad pray together? What does it mean when this happens? Why do we go to church? Then you answer them and then you pass on generations, generations of legacy and faith. This is how it was intended to be. And that's why it's important to remember to tell your story. You know, I talk to some dads sometime and they, uh, they ask me about their teenage boys. I understand. Have one have had some, and they say, I don't want my sons to make the same mistakes I did. Totally get you. I understand. I say, have you ever told your sons where you struggled? Well, no, I'm never going to tell them that. I don't want them to do the same things I did. The way you do that is you tell them what you did what it cost you and how God rescued you from it. If they don't hear that story, if they don't know that truth, then they'll have to go out and discover it for themselves. I realize every child has to come to faith on their own, has to internalize that. I don't want my sons experiencing all of that without my input and counsel. I want them to be able to come to me and say, Dad, The strangest thing happened today. Dad, I really blew it in this situation. Can we talk? Dads, if you don't ever let your kids know that you failed, believe it or not, they think in their minds you never did. You've got to tell them. You don't have to go into the details. You can spare them all that. But if you don't let them know I am like you. You come from me. Let me tell you what I experienced. Let me tell you what I've discovered. 
let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. I'm telling you, when you have that conversation, they'll be the ones coming to ask you, what does all this mean? Help me. And that's what Joshua said to the people. Build these stones up so that they might ask in time to come. Another truth for us today, the third one is this. Replaying God's work tells your story and gives God the glory. When you tell your story, Joshua said, you're going to cause this thing to go viral back in the day when they didn't have YouTube. <laughs> really, I mean, in the passage said that the world might know of his power. Hey, this is in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Joshua. They didn't have... Facebook, internet, newspapers, they didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't even have tin cans and string yet. How is it going to go viral? How is the whole world going to know about it? Because someone's going to tell their story, and it will be so crazy good that somebody else is going to tell someone else, and that person is going to tell someone else. And so on and so on. Us from the 70s remember that commercial. Right? Come on now. Could act like you're not old. That's how you, you, that's how you pass it on beyond your home. You tell the story and you give God the glory. You don't just say, look what I did. I was so smart that I. I was so rich that I. I was so popular that I. Don't tell your kids that stuff. Don't tell your neighbors that stuff. Don't tell your coworkers that stuff. God rescued me. Here's what God did for me. Let me tell you what God is doing in my life. When you tell that story and he gets the glory out of it, people want to retell that story. The next one, point four today. Replaying God's work calls us to greater maturity. You see, the children of Israel were now at a place where they were going to leave all that behind. They were going to walk into some new places today, and they were going to have to leave behind where they had been. They were going to have to leave behind small faith, complaining all the time. Can you believe I had to do this? This happened to me now. Oh, look how terrible this is. Everything's just terrible in my life. Terrible, 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 terrible. That kind of complaining stuff will keep you focused backwards all the time, and you'll never move forward. And God says, you're going to have to leave that stuff behind. Stop your complaining. Stop being bitter. Stop blaming everybody. Stop thinking God can't provide for you. Get your face forward. Trust God and mature. Grow up. Stop being a baby in your faith. You know what children do? They whine and complain when things don't go their way. They start crying immediately when someone takes something from them. It's just what babies do. Right? Hello? Y'all here? That sometimes happens to adults that haven't grown up spiritually. They get all whiny and complaining when someone takes their stuff. When things didn't go like they wanted it to. When all of a sudden there was more sacrifice involved than they thought. Wah, wah, wah. Complain, complain, complain. Whine, whine, whine. Blame, blame, blame. That's baby talk, folks. Right? If you're going to move forward in your faith, you've got to put all that stuff behind you and say, that's what got us 40 years into this mess and never there yet. I'm done with it. It's a good time to set some new goals 
for a new year. It's a good time to say, you know what? I did that in 2017, but not more. No more. I'm done with that. I'm going to trust God in some ways I never have before. I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to stop whining. I'm going to stop blaming. And I'm going to believe what God says. I might not be able to figure it out, but I'm going to trust him for it. Watch me walk in it. I don't know how I'm going to get to a a new promised land yet, but I tried all that back there, and that didn't work. I tried doing it on my own. That didn't work. So I don't know what it is for you this year. I hope there's a moment that you sit down and you say, you know what, in this past year, I had some habits. I had some things I've been doing, some places I went that I shouldn't have. They cost me. They hurt me. And I'm done. I'm done. I put that behind me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I'm moving forward. I'm going to pick up some new path, some new things. I'm going to start trusting. I'm going to start being kind. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start being involved in ministry. I'm going to start giving myself away because that stuff didn't work. I'm tired of moving and moving and moving and never getting anywhere. 40 years and nowhere yet. Mm -mm, I'm done. And when you replay God's work, when you see what he's done, it enables you to say, okay, all right, that's done. That's behind me. Now I move forward. Our last point this morning. Replaying God's work drives you to face greater challenges with faith. Look here. When they crossed the Jordan and they set up those stones at Gilgal, look what the Bible says where they were. They camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Guess where they had not been yet? Jericho. Guess what was going to stand between them and the promised land? Jericho. Guess what was going to take a whole new set of faith and vision and trust? Jericho. Because God was going to teach them something brand new about defeating the enemy. When you get to Jericho, God says, I want you to march around the walls. Huh? We've not done that before. That's right. And you're going to shout to me in that day. And you're going to see walls come down. How does that happen? I don't know. But let's do it and see what God says. Okay? So they were going to have to leave that point. And when they did, they were going to be venturing into some new spots, some new challenges, some new things that were going to be before them. You've got new stuff in your future this year. Some stuff you don't know yet. You've made your goals and you've made your plans, but it is God who will be the one who orders your steps. He'll be the one who creates the path before you. And I I just know you're going to have some great days and you're going to have some challenging days. You're going to find some days where you're celebrating. You're going to find some other days where you're going to be standing in front of Jericho and think, okay, God, how do we get past this? Right? Right? And in that day, you're going to hear the tempter's voice. He's going to tell you to look back at your failures 
And you're going to look back and you're going to see the stones lifted up. You're going to see the stone lifted up. You're going to see the stone rolled away. You're going to see the stone who is the living stone today. And you're going to say, that part's taken care of. Let's go. And you're going to walk and you're going to move. That's what I want for us personally. But that's what I want for us as a church too. I want us to walk into all that God has for us with confidence. I want us to walk with some faith. I want us to walk with some vision. I want us to walk with some confidence that says, God, whatever's out there, we're ready to face it. I don't care what it is because you're the one in front of us. And we'll go there. We'll do that thing, whatever it is. We're not going to whine, complain. We're not going to pitch a fit about it. We're going to trust you in it. Amen. See, this is what gives us faith to go into a new year. It starts when you know how to accurately see your past and you put some things down. You see the past through the cross and you say like Jesus said, it's finished. That's done. Would you bow your heads with me? I know this morning we all have some areas like that in our life. Some areas of regret, some areas of pain. And this morning, would you do the work of saying, God, I see what you've done for me in the cross. I will not go down the paths of regret any longer. I will not walk down the paths of guilt any longer. I won't walk down the what ifs and what if I could have. I will see every sin, weakness, failure placed upon Jesus for me and I will see forgiveness I will see myself washed and I'll turn away from my past and will you also see Jesus in your future you see he's not just 2,000 years ago he's in eternity he is here also right now and he's calling you into this future. He's calling you forward. He's calling you to grow up. He's calling you to show up and be involved in the kingdom. He's calling you into some new challenges in your life that are bigger than you can imagine right now. But today, will you face him? Will you see Jesus above it all? Will you see him reigning? And will you listen to him when he calls you forward? When he calls you to what he has for you? Whether it be blessing or whether it be challenges, would you believe him?